From Article 370 to Ram Mandir to the Citizenship Amendment Act and now a pandemic. The first year of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's second term has been jam-packed with big events. On 30th May last year, Modi took oath for the second time as India's Prime Minister. After the NDA alliance won with a greater majority than 2014, virtually decimating the opposition's Mahagadbandhan. It's been one long year since and in the middle of this pandemic, the Modi government quietly completed one year anniversary of its second term. So what does the annual report card look like? For this podcast, I invited Aditya Menon, the Quint's political editor, to discuss what the government ticked off its bucket list, what it achieved and where all it failed. You're listening to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shalvari. Merely two months after resuming power in the centre for the second time, the Modi government made history after revoking Article 370 that stripped Jammu and Kashmir of its special status and bifurcated the state into two union territories. It was an election promise made by the BJP. It was also a part of the manifesto to quote-unquote bring development in the state. The move triggered some serious human rights issues in the valley. Kashmir saw the longest internet shutdown ever in a democracy. In fact, even now in a lockdown when education and many other professions are solely dependent on digital approaches, Kashmir is still buffering on 2G internet. Moreover, movement in the valley is still restricted. Some opposition leaders are still under house arrest. Some, like former Chief Minister Mehbooba Mufti, have even been charged with the dreaded PSA Act. So the BJP delivered on its Hindu nationalism, but what did it win with this move and what did it lose? That was my first question to Aditya. The abrogation of Article 370 was a really high-risk move for uh, the government, I think, and the biggest... uh, Consequence of this was that it uh, destroyed the entire political mainstream in Kashmir. I mean, leaders uh, like uh, Mahbubha Mufti, Farooq Abdullah, Omar Abdullah, who had sworn by the Indian constitution, who used to bat for India in uh, Srinagar, who used to bat for New Delhi in Srinagar, uh, they were completely alienated. Uh, they were put under arrest. Uh, so it it was the pro-India leadership in Kashmir that was entirely destroyed by this move. It's a really high-risk move. It clearly pitted uh, New Delhi against uh, the entire civilian population of Kashmir. And uh, a very difficult political decision. And some would say that uh, the BJP sacrificed New Delhi's strategic interest in Kashmir uh, to fulfill its own political and ideological uh, ends. The next tick of the checklist came with the Babri Masjid Ram Janmabhumi title dispute case. It was the call for a Ram Mandir that had aided BJP's popularity in the parliament from two Lok Sabha seats in 1984 to 85 seats in 1989 and then fast forward to 2019 where it got 303 seats on its own. And as the verdict came in favour of the temple, the centre formed a 15-member trust for building Ram Mandir. And among them was Modi's close aide, Nripendra Mishra. It was a core agenda of the BGP that we know and they delivered to the voter base who had backed this government. But does this move solidify the support once and for all? If you look at all the big-ticket measures that the uh, Modi government has taken in its second term so far, 
be it the abrogation of Article 370 or the expediting of the construction of the Ram Mandir after the Supreme Court verdict, or even if or something even like the 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 triple talaq bill, they are all aimed at this one core constituency that the BJP has, which is the Hindu voter. Uh, I think the party realized that. Uh, you know rather than trying to broaden its ideology to appeal to a wide section of indians it's much better to uh, to appeal to their core constituency and ensure that these core voters end up being much more than core voters and they become almost like campaigners for the party so now what you have is about 20, 15 to 20% of the population that is that is a completely uh, uh, loyal to the bjp and that if the uh, whenever the need comes uh, is willing to even to campaign for the bjp uh, not just during elections but throughout the year and act as active disseminators of uh, the government's uh, decisions so it seems that all of the bjp's decisions are aimed at this section the last one year under Modi 2.0 also altered India's socio-cultural fabric unlike ever before, largely driven by the Citizenship Amendment Act, which proposes a divisive citizenship test. It also triggered widespread simultaneous protests in the country, police brutality, mass detentions, riots in the capital that got international attention. Even the United Nations was forced to urge the Modi government to respect the rights of freedom of opinion and expression and peaceful assembly. Did the Modi government push the Hindu versus Muslim agenda too far with NRC and CAA? Has it brought about a new political dimension for India going forward? Yes, perhaps the BJP has played this card a little too far. Uh, but then it has been working for it at least at the national level. Uh, I mean, PM Modi manages to deflect any criticism of his performance, any criticism of his decisions mainly because he enjoys the solid support of a very large proportion of Hindu voters and also because he, he his government and his party and much of the media has managed to keep the entire uh, narrative on Hindu versus Muslim issues. So it has worked for the BJP at least in this respect. Uh, but I mean, there are limitations to it because uh, you know, look at state elections. These uh, these factors didn't really work for the BJP in Delhi or in Maharashtra, uh, even Haryana and Jharkhand, uh, for that matter. And yes, as Aditya said, the state election results did pour water over BJP's winning streak, humiliating defeats not in one state but three: Jharkhand, Delhi, and Maharashtra. While in Haryana, they had to form a coalition to retain power. Why did the BJP and Modi's popularity not translate into the states? What is the learning here for the party for the next four years of its term? I think the, the main learning from these defeats uh, for the BJP is that uh, you know, Modi's popularity isn't enough for it to win state elections. Uh, Modi can guarantee national level victories for the BJP, but uh, it cannot help uh, help the BJP win in states where its state governments are already unpopular. Now that was the case in Jharkhand, that was also the case in Haryana where the BJP fell short of a majority. Uh, it doesn't help uh, that there's only one leader at the top and the chief ministers don't really have that uh, kind of stature that the prime minister has. So I mean this centralized leadership is what was considered the 
weakness of the Congress under uh, someone like Indira Gandhi, and now this has become uh, true for the BJP right now as well. So the main learning for the BJP here is that it cannot really afford to uh, weaken its state level leadership and lay all its eggs in the Modi basket. But coming to the end of one year with the pandemic now. It was something that the government was unprepared for, but managed to enforce a pretty strict lockdown. Modi's decisive and timely lockdown drew praises from the World Health Organization. But what started off as a good year for the agriculture, with a bumper crop yield, excellent buying, and also sped up road constructions, among other things, all of that came to a halt with the ongoing lockdown. India's average unemployment rate also shot up to 24.5 percent as of 25th May. The country is facing a migrant crisis, and to add to that, the RBI projected a negative growth for GDP. Yet Modi's popularity remains unwavering through it. In fact, the recent opinion polls show that they have shot up even higher compared to U.S. President Donald Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin, who Modi is equated with quite often. Modi's popularity doesn't seem to have a scratch on it. So what is compelling Indians to rally behind him in this critical time and what has worked out in this government and in Modi's favor despite the faltering economy There's something known as a rally around the flag effect in American politics you know in which uh, people are compelled to uh, to sort of uh, support the incumbent government in times of a, a big national crisis be it a war or a natural disaster or some uh, pandemic like the pandemic we are seeing right now uh, so a bit of um, what is happening here the, you know, the high, extremely high support for the modi government is because of this if you look at uh, uh, a number of surveys that have taken place in the last two months uh, support for the modi government's handling of the covid crisis remains extremely high Uh, the sea voter survey said that uh, above 80% people think that the government is doing a good job uh, i mean which is phenomenal uh, given the kind of uh, uh, catastrophic effect the lockdown has had on the economy and as well as the continuously rising number of cases uh, so the lockdown has been far from a, from a success but uh, but uh, the pms the pm modi's popularity continues to be extremely high so i mean it it is because uh, pm modi has cultivated this larger than life image uh, you know if you look at his uh, his speeches over the last two months uh, he seldom goes into details about policies and about what the government's going to do or what uh, the government is promising people and it's because he doesn't go into the details he can't be held accountable uh, for anything Uh, so if something goes wrong it's someone like piyush goel or nirmala sitaraman who gets the blame uh, but uh, it is modi who will continue to be seen as a savior by a large number of people in the country there's surely a lot of work on this government's plate in the coming months from controlling the pandemic to picking up the pieces of the economy and fixing it so what can we expect in the coming year from this government See the biggest challenge for this government is going to be the economy. Uh, by most accounts, we are looking at uh, a minuscule uh, growth rate, even a negative, possible negative growth rate uh, uh, for the economy. And uh, I mean, we have the uh, massive labor crisis that we are looking at. Uh, demand is going to fall immeasurably. 
so the government needs to i mean modi will really be tested uh, now in the immediate aftermath of this entire lockdown uh, whether he has the vision whether his government has the capacity to take major economic measures to really really put in a lot of money to boost demand remains to be seen so far it does seem that the government doesn't have that kind of a vision it it, it seems to be more operating through piecemeal measures and uh, a great deal of bureaucratic uh, uh, bureaucratic kind of uh, policies but it, it, i the government really hasn't shown that kind of vision when it comes to boosting demand which is the main challenge for the economy right now or in terms of giving some kind of economic support uh, to the people uh so but the thing is then the pressure on the government will be extremely high uh, because the economic distress is unprecedented it's something that india hasn't seen in several decades uh probably for the first time modi might find himself in uncharted territory uh this is not a mess that uh, that he and his government can get out of just by deflecting attention here and there Uh, they will have to take some measures otherwise uh, the goodwill that they have accumulated over the past few years will be squandered very 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 easily if you like listening to this episode please subscribe to the big story playlist for episodic updates we'll have on apple google podcast spotify geo seven and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms for other podcasts please log on to the quinn website and check out the podcast section For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequin.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.